for me, getting back out there means sprucing up my date night wardrobe. But I don't necessarily want to have a lot of extra stuff to hang on to. That's why I was happy to find out about Armoire. It's a clothing rental service, and it really takes away the stress about what to wear. For a monthly fee, members get access to high-quality designer clothing for any occasion. Just take a five-minute style quiz to get suggestions, and then pick what you want. The clothes arrive in as little as two days. One of the items I chose is a green v-neck wrap dress that works for both business and pleasure. And here's one thing I really love. Armoire is women-founded and women-led. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash gray. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash gray to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. With the seasons changing and some fun getaways on my calendar, I want to spruce up my warm weather wardrobe. That's why I'm happy I found Quince. Quince offers clothing and accessories for women and also men, even kids and babies. Plus, Quince has housewares like organic duvet covers and shams and so much more. Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. That's because Quince partners directly with top factories. They cut out the middleman and pass the savings on to customers like me and you. Quince works only with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing processes, along with premium fabrics and finishes. What's not to love about that? So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash gray for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash gray to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash gray. This is Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. I'm Laura Stasi. I was married for almost 30 years, and then I got divorced. I've learned how to be great on my own, but I would like to share my life again, and I have a lot of questions about how to get there. So I started talking with other people 50 and older who are looking for love or who found it in these later years. I also spoke with dating and relationship experts. I wanted to share what I learned, so I created this podcast. This is Stephen, and so I'm, I'm recently divorced from my husband, and so I've been back on, on the dating market, and I'm on four dating sites. I take introductions from friends and have met nice people that way. My name is Genevieve, and I am recently single after being in a relationship for about three, four years. I've dated all kinds of men. My name is Mark. I was pretty much of a wreck after she died. And um, I do not like the idea of being spending the rest of my life alone. I, you know, honestly, I do not like that idea. A big part of it is that I don't like doing things alone. I don't like traveling alone. I've done it. I don't care for it. I don't like dining out alone. You know, there's, I really like going to the museums and stuff here, but I don't like doing that alone. My name is Elaine. Lisa was my longest relationship. I didn't go in thinking 
it wouldn't be forever, but the fact that it, that it wasn't, why is that a failure? If you listen to season one, you know I've had a little trouble making romantic connections, and I'm not the only one. Season two may sound a little different. It's still the pandemic, so for health safety reasons, we can't use professional recording studios. But the journey remains the same. Speaking of COVID, on this episode, we're talking about making and maintaining romantic connections when the need to stay away from each other throws up one more hurdle. It's pandemic love, slow, fast, and furious. So two months into the shutdown, my son and his fiance surprised me by creating a profile for me on a dating app using photos from my Facebook page. And this was the first time I'd ever used a dating app, like on my phone, instead of a website. I have to say, I didn't really like it. Anytime I went anywhere, the app would ping me with potential dating partners in whatever zip code I was in. Or I'd be working at home and getting pings about single men coming and going from the airport. I felt like I had to respond immediately or I'd miss out on the one. I did meet a strapping widowed horse farmer named Vladimir. Seriously, that's his name. Vlad is really nice, and he seems like he'd be a lot of fun. He throws big outdoor parties with music and bonfires. But Vlad still has kids at home, and he's not geographically desirable. He lives about 100 miles away from me. So nothing against Vlad. I deleted the app. I enjoyed Zoom chatting with him, but I just wasn't motivated to make a plan to meet him or anyone else in person. I'm calling it pandemic dating inertia. Let's face it, dating is tricky in the best of times, and these have been the worst of times. A lot of people have lost their jobs or or loved ones, maybe had their own health scare. In many ways, I feel privileged to even be thinking about dating, but I just don't have the emotional energy to make or maintain a romantic connection. You know, I really admire people who haven't stopped the search for love. People like writer Leslie Morgan Steiner, I first talked with Leslie during season one of the podcast. She wrote a memoir called The Naked Truth. It was about reclaiming her identity as a sexual being after a long and unhappy second marriage. Leslie wrote about having a lot of sex with a lot of men, and it was all good and fun and she has no regrets. But she told me after the episode aired that she was now ready to find a committed partner. That was back in April, and several months later, we talked again. So during the pandemic, I continued to date the men who were already in my life. It it was via Zoom um, because they all happened to be out of town. So I had these wonderful like Zoom movie dates and talking dates. And actually, I found the pandemic a great time to really get to know men in a different way because it was really just talking and connection and no sexual tension or interaction. But then about three months into the pandemic, I got an email from this a man who I've known for 15 years um, who he, his son and my son played basketball together starting when they were seven. Anyway, he had gotten divorced and he had read the naked truth oh. as a way to celebrate his divorce. <laughs> and so he reached out to me, um, in June. So, you know, the naked truth is a book that has a lot of sex in it and a lot of kind of adventurous sex. So mm. when this man asked me out, I said, look, I just want to let you know, even though I'm a woman in my 50s who's written a book about how much I like sex, I'm not looking for that right now. I'm looking for a long-term committed relationship. And he 
met my transparency with transparency. And he said, yes, that's what I'm looking for too. And I oh. always thought you were really attractive and lovely. And um, I'd love to go on a socially distanced hike with you. Oh and my gosh. I tell you, as soon as he stepped out of the, his car in the, the, the trailhead parking lot, um, I thought, oh my God, that's it. it. This is it. Because he was, Aww. he had a wonderful smile and he was cuter than the last time I'd seen him. And he had the same reaction. He just like stopped in his tracks and gave me a big smile. And, um, Aww. it just happened sort of fast and slow since then. You know, it is a yeah. wonderful thing to date somebody who is already in your life, but you haven't looked at as a potential partner because right. there was this great level of trust already yes. and commonality. And, um, so I think that even in pandemic, it's possible to find somebody. Mm. The old cliche that so many people told me is really true is that when I stopped looking so hard is when I found somebody. Right. And so how long did it take before you kind of realized this is going to be a committed relationship? I mean, it sounds like before you even met, you talked about this is what you're both looking for. Yes. Yes. So when did you kind of decide? Well, the first, that first date was really wonderful. And we we spent most of the time just filling each other in on, on where we were. And he showed mm -hmm. me pictures of his grandchildren. And, you know, we just, it was very sort of cozy, I have to say. Yeah. And I was attracted to him right away. But I also, I just sort of, you know, I've made mistakes in the past. I wanted to go slowly. So it was a, a, a couple of weeks before our first kiss, which was on that same hike. <laughs> we mm -hmm. went back to that same path and he kissed me and it was wonderful. And then... It was about, I would say, a month into dating where I asked him to be my boyfriend. And I have oh. never done that before in my entire life. And it was, I made a, like a, a sort of a joke of it. Like I practically got down on one day, knee and I said his whole name and I said, will you please be my boyfriend? Oh. And this is what it means. You know, it means that we only see each other and that we're always kind and respectful and open with each other. And I, because, you know, Laura, I've learned that it's really it's so powerful to just put all your cards on the table and say, this is just exactly what I want. Yeah. So we have been boyfriend and girlfriend since then. And I have oh. to say, just like everybody says, boyfriend and girlfriend feels so like 13 years old. Like <laughs> I'm 55. Like, is he my partner? I don't know. I just know that he's, yeah. he's, he's wonderful and that I'm very, um, I'm very lucky and he thinks he's very lucky. And it's just a, it's not a fairy tale because it's so grounded in reality. It feels very quiet to me. Like, I'm not calling all of my friends and saying, I found my soulmate finally. Yeah. I just feel like, oh gosh, I found this lovely man who was here all the time. Ah, uh, the unexpected email. Don't you love it? Maybe Leslie and her boyfriend's shared past gave them an advantage to connect in the first place. But it seems to me they'll succeed as long as they continue to communicate what they want and need. They're on the same page. Which brings me to a woman we're calling Mary. She has to remain anonymous. In fact, she talked to me on Zoom from her car in a parking garage. Mary has been married for about 25 years. She says it never was a great love story. She always felt like her needs came second to her husband's, and they don't communicate well. At one point, they even separated for a few years, but they got back together. Still, they haven't had sex or even affectionate touch in who knows how long. So she's back to thinking about separating and this time actually going through with a divorce. But she wonders if that makes sense, especially during a pandemic. I think he just has been not as difficult for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I don't know if it's just because he's getting older or he's just realizing maybe that he senses that I'm not happy and doesn't want to cause waves. But I think 
in the long term, that may just come back up again, you know, because that's sort of the dynamic that we have. Yeah. He's a good person, but I just, I think somehow we maybe not, don't bring out the best in each other. And I always wonder, should you, if you're not bringing out the best in each other, that's really maybe not a good reason to stay anymore. Right. I think I already was starting to think about those things before the pandemic. Uh-huh. Certainly, the pandemic has maybe delayed certain conversations, but it was something that um, I had been thinking about for a while. Yeah. I go back and forth in my mind about what to do because there's so many different thoughts in my mind, you know. Am I expecting too much? And just the fear of, of what all of this could do, you know, the upheaval. Is it worth all that if I make a change? So that's the million-dollar question. I mean... You just don't know, right? So you all did separate for a while. I mean, for a good long while. And then you eventually found your way back. So was there a moment during that separation where you all had the conversation you needed to make it feel more comfortable? Well, you know, the thing is, even when we were separated, we were, you know, we have children together. And so they, we actually saw each other quite a lot. Even though we were separated, we weren't truly separated. Yeah. I think now it's different because our work situation is different. I can be away from the home more. And also now the kids are older. Yeah. It's still a factor. And I think certainly having kids is a big consideration because even though they're now young adult, if you go forward with the separation, it changes the family dynamic. You said there's no intimacy. Do you get along as roommates or, you know, housemates? Um, we get along well enough. There really isn't as much of a connection and we're more friends than we are really um, any sort of romantic partnership. But I think, you know, traditionally marriage has really just been a transactional relationship. And even in a lot of cultures right now, yeah, you know, are married and they probably have marriages like me, right? Maybe not the most fulfilling marriage, but they stay in it because this is what they, what you do. Right. In our modern times now, we kind of have different hopes. As I get older, I start to think, you know, is this really how, and especially now that, it will be more and more just me and him at home. Yeah. I start to think, is this really how I want to spend however many years I have left? If it's, you know, if, if I'm fortunate enough to live another 20, 30, 40 years, you know, that's a long time. Sure. As I get older, I, you know, I start seeing other relationships. I start to think, you know, is that a possibility for me? Is there something more? Am I missing out by just staying in something that's safe? And I think what you said about marriage used to be transactional. I think everybody also used to think sex dies when you reach a certain age, especially for women. And I think more and more we're realizing there's absolutely nothing wrong. And in fact, it's all good to be if that's what you want. And the problem comes when it's not important to both of you to be sexually intimate. Just the affection of, you know, any sort of affection, that connection, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an actual sexual act. Well, I thank you for being open because I think a lot of people just decide not to talk about it, decide not to confront it either with their partner or even with themselves. I think it takes a certain, I think it takes bravery just to admit this is not what I want and um, do I stay or do I go? You're on the other end of it. How do you, do you feel like that was the right choice? Yeah. It took me a while before I realized, was I fighting more for the idea of the marriage or was I fighting for the marriage itself? And I think I had a hard time letting go of the idea of the marriage. 
I mean, I thank him every day for giving me what I call divorce wings, because I, I would have soldiered on in that marriage forever. I, I was petrified when the marriage ended, mainly because, you know, you don't know your future, but you always feel like you at least know who you're going into your future with. I mean, I think about this pandemic. I can't imagine spending, you know, so much time with someone that I'm not happy with or that I'm frustrated with. Yeah. When I go back and forth in my mind about on what to do, we think I really should end the marriage because if my kids were in a similar situation and they were coming to me for advice, you know, maybe you should really think about separating because it's, I wouldn't want that for them. Yeah. So do you, have you set any goals for yourself? Like once the pandemic ends or even now during the pandemic? I'm trying to kind of focus on trying to just improve myself, you know, because if I finally do go out there, I want to be prepared, you know, like learn a new language or just also try to get a better handle on my own, you know, so that I can be more financially secure and not have to worry so much so that it's more of a possibility. You know, a lot of people do stay together because of the finances and that's a very real thing, but I don't want that to be the the reason why we end up staying together. But I think I, I keep hoping for some divine sign, you know, that this, this is what I should do, you know, uh, but there's not going to be that. <laughs> or maybe there is and you just haven't seen it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you wrote to me for Pete's sake. It feels. Yeah, no, these are signs. (laughs) I don't know. I wonder if Mary's husband thinks everything is okay. I do think it's interesting that Mary would advise her own kids to not stay in a marriage like hers. But a changed family dynamic is one of the reasons why she doesn't want to get divorced. I think this is a pull many of us feel, especially someone like Mary, who comes from a traditional background. And I do understand her hesitation. Maybe now is not the best time to have a conversation with your partner about uncoupling. Then again, when is a good time? And as unfulfilling as Mary's relationship sounds, is a warm body in the house better than nobody? I asked Greg Wheeler about that. He's a relationship, marriage, divorce, and life coach. If you know that you're unhappy in a marriage and you're feeling these the, the anxiety and the symptoms of depression or sadness or helplessness, those are what you would feel outside of a pandemic. Whew. Our conversation is after the break. Before we go on with the show, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that Dating While Gray has a new production home this season. I've partnered with the good folks at North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, to bring you more stories of romance and relationships after 50. WUNC would sure appreciate your support in creating more podcasts like this one. The easiest way to do that is with a donation or by becoming a member at wunc.org slash give. You'd be supporting Dating While Gray, too. Thanks for listening and for donating at wunc.org slash give. Greg Wheeler was an engineer, and then he became a relationship coach after going through his own divorce. He helps people make and gently break love connections. I asked Greg how the pandemic is affecting all of us, whether we're single or coupled. If there's something that was shaky or not strong in a relationship, it's now been amplified and 
can be causing stress. It's normal under these circumstances for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And there are things that you can do. So just don't suffer through it because it will still be there on the other side of the pandemic if it's built into the relationship. What is it that we're not talking about? What is it that we're ignoring that's creating pressure if you're in a relationship and, and it's starting to get worse? The other side of the coin is, is if you've been alone, if you came into the pandemic as a single, you are spending a lot more time alone. Yeah. So there's more desire to reach out and connect. Since we are spending a lot of time at home and we have, in some ways, we have more time on our hands, yeah. you could actually do the deep work and read a book or take an online course and actually understand what it is that is not going right for you. It's a good time to do that deeper work to get Mm -hmm. clear on who you are. And that's a really big theme in this time. I think the pandemic is creating this opportunity for us to get really clear on who we are and what we want. People who are ready to go out and date (laughs) or, you know, find love. I think some of us who thought we were perfectly happy being on our own understand we are happy being on our own, but boy, wouldn't it be nice to be holed up with someone? Uh, Should we just wait until it's kind of the coast is clear? Or what should we do? What should single people do? Well, okay, so I don't think that we should just be alone. I, I firmly believe that the human being is designed to be in relationship. We are stronger and healthier and happier. We're just designed to be in relationship. So if you're single and you want to be in relationship, you don't want to put it on hold too much. So what do you do? You know, the online dating services, they've added video calling. Mm -hmm. And it's my personal recommendation that as quickly as possible, you get to a video call. Can you say that again? As quickly as possible, you get to a video call. With effective possible partner. Mm -hmm. And the reason is online dating has gotten a bad rap because of people who are being sneaky about the age and about who they are, what they look like. And so it's worth your time to get to a video to feel if the person's real and if they're honest. And also it's a good way to get feedback to see if there's any kind of a connection there. So you don't waste your time texting and calling and going through all this stuff before you get to starting to connect. If you don't connect, you just say, thank you very much. Uh You go through the app, so you're not using the person's phone number. You're still isolated. You're protected. They don't have your personal information. And so it's a really quick, easy way to skip ahead a little bit into meeting. Here's the other good thing about, you always look for a silver lining, right? Yeah. In the pandemic, we're forced to spend more time communicating. So we get to know someone better before we meet. Mm-hmm. You can call them, you can take them on a walk with you on your phone yeah. and, and get to be friends. So is there a point where you should actually make arrangements to meet someone in person or should we all just be sort of doing this slow virtual dating ad nauseum? I actually think that, yes, you can agree on a central location. You can meet and have a social distance walk. You can meet and have a takeout lunch or something and stay socially distanced. These are like little tests about how you fit together and how you get along and is there chemistry. You can do that in this environment. I mean, I've done it. I met people and I meet them. There's a nice canal not too far from where I live that has a nice walk. 
I'm wondering if these relationships uh, that start during the pandemic have the the worry that maybe they're not totally authentic, that maybe you're better than nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or what, what do you think? If you're looking to get into a relationship to fill a hole in yourself because you're needy or you're feeling scared or wounded or whatever, then you're going to set yourself up to get into a codependent relationship. Those relationships are going to fail either in a pandemic or outside of a pandemic. So doing the time to get clear so that you love yourself enough, so that you're healthy and happy enough in your life, so that someone you meet that you like and you appreciate doing and having fun with is going to add to you, add to your life, but not fill a hole or fill a need. You're giving because it's fun to give and you're getting because they're giving because it's fun to give Mm -hmm. as opposed to giving to get. Giving to get sets up expectations, sets up the codependency, and in a long term, it fails. Yeah. Okay. So it's fine to get out there, so to speak, and look for a romantic connection. Is it okay to leave a marriage during the pandemic? You know, we have, I believe in the mind-body connection. If we are unhappy and if we are unhealthy in our emotional sense, we're going to start to get physically ill. We're going to get tired. We're going to get depressed. Uh, Our energy levels are going to go down. Our creativity is going to fall off. We may have breakdowns. If you know that you're unhappy in a marriage and you're feeling the, the anxiety and the symptoms of depression or sadness or helplessness, those are what you would feel outside of a pandemic. Yes. So if you're feeling them inside of a pandemic, you need to start taking steps. Now, it might be a little complicated because it's not as easy just maybe to separate yourself. Sometimes you need to know if you want to fix the relationship. Sometimes you need to know if it is fixable. Mm-hmm. If it's not fixable, you need to want to know how to go about ending it in the best way possible. And there are ways to do that. You know, you mentioned online dating with the video element. But is there just one or two tips for people like me who hesitated under normal circumstances and now are really hesitant? Something for us to keep in mind or? The most important thing is to really be honest about yourself. However you decide to start showing up and being seen, don't try and be something or somebody that you think somebody else wants to find. Be yourself. Talk about what's really important to you. The second most important tip is, if you don't try, nothing's going to change. If you want a third one, sure. don't be so self-conscious because everybody else is in the same boat you are. They're alone. They're stuck at home. Yeah. You know, they want company. They want someone to connect with. Mm-hmm. There's a gazillion people, just like you, you're not different. You're I'm not, not special? <laughs> well, you're special, <laughs> but you're not in, in a bad place. Right. You're not like right. below everybody else. I think Greg makes a good point about getting to know yourself and what you want and need. And we have had a long stretch of time to do this. In fact, some of you have really taken it to the next level. What are you doing about romantic connections in the time of coronavirus? Here's what some of you said. Hi, Laura. This is Andy. I had met someone shortly before the pandemic, and we've been on several dates. 
And I was really trying to see if something could develop between us. And then the pandemic hit and we had to continue getting to know one another over Zoom calls and one walk that we did with a tethered six foot yarn uh, string between us and wearing masks. And I would have liked it to turn out to be one of those stories of love that grows and continues even in the midst of a crisis. But in fact, it didn't. And we parted ways. And as appropriate and right as it feels, it's also so weird at a time when who knows if I'll ever meet someone given how the circumstances are right now. But it did feel a little bit like I was giving up a precious roll of paper towels just when everybody else is hoarding them. Hi, Laura. This is Stuart. The pandemic just makes it harder for us to build up that trust and comfort uh, that is so hard to come by to begin with. So what I notice is that people, uh, women that I call uh, or reach out to on whatever dating website, you know, it takes a little bit longer to get to a comfort level of saying, let's go for a walk. And now that it's cold, it's not going to be so easy. Uh, I think it's just um, the dating process is so fraught with insecurities and the pandemic is just like one last uh, straw on the camel's back of trying to build and find that great relationship. Hey, Laura, it's Eileen. I decided that I'm ready to go meet somebody. But I looked at things like Match.com, eHarmony, and I felt like the people I was starting to meet weren't interested in a relationship so much as a couple of dates. So I finally broke down and I went to a matchmaker and I'm going to have my first date in a week or two. Um, I went and had a full interview with them. They did a criminal background check and a um, financial background check, which they do with everybody who comes through the door. And they match you on compatibility. It sounds like a good idea. I've never done anything like this. So I'm excited, but I'm nervous. I'm hopeful. We'll see what happens. So there's thinking about dating and there's slow and deliberate dating. Then there's what's called a turbo relationship. That happens when the pandemic causes couples to accelerate their feelings of love and commitment. Next up, a relationship that combines the best of slow and fast. At this point, we had known each other for, for what, two months? And neither of us had got sick. And as far as, and we were both being careful, we basically went, okay. That's after the break. You know, now that I'm in the second season of this podcast, I realize it's more than a show to me. It's a community. Dating While Gray wouldn't happen without the stories you share and the connections you help me make to topics, experts, and people like myself just trying our best to navigate love and relationships after age 50. If you're a regular listener, thank you. You're already part of the Dating While Gray community. The conversations we have on this show go on at our Facebook page and on Twitter at Dating While Gray. That's G-R-A-Y. I also love hearing from you with feedback, stories, and questions. So email me anytime at datingwhilegray at wunc.org. 
Be in touch however you feel comfortable. And don't forget, we're in this together. There are things we're taught not to discuss in polite company, but by avoiding so-called impolite conversations, we're missing out on the chance to make important connections with each other. I'm Anita Rao, and I'm on a personal journey to uncover just what happens when we open ourselves up to talking about taboo topics that affect our bodies and our brains. Find out on Embodied, a new podcast about sex, relationships, and your health from North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. When I hear stories like this next one, I can't help but think that some things are just meant to be. It involves a man we're calling Joe, a woman we're calling Patricia, and what happened shortly after the pandemic lockdown when they each signed up for a virtual speed dating event that got bungled. They did not know what they were doing. They told you they had a plan, but they didn't know how to do it. They flashed everybody's faces up to begin with so you could see everybody who was participating. Uh-huh. So there was Pat, you know, like rocking back and forth, <laughs> getting impatient. I said, well, wow, she's, she's very attractive. For half an hour, and it was only supposed to be a one-hour event. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there with the camera on, and I'm twisting in my chair, and I'm kind of annoyed now, you know. And finally, after half an hour, I haven't talked to anybody. Oh. I finally, you know, I send a message, and I say, well, you know, good luck, but frankly, I've got better things to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I logged out. We were put in, like, the chat room, which is kind of like, I felt like the Wallflowers Club oh. in there, sitting for a while. And then the other women who I was who I was paired with, they seemed to be, you know, they were they were all right. But, you know, I was just hoping, well, maybe she's going to come <laughs> up here. Maybe I'm going to get Patricia. You know, maybe she's going to pop up. She never did. Mm. So at the end of the whole uh, night, I was, you know, polite to everybody. I actually had other people email me, but oh. I responded politely back to them. Uh, no, not interested in at this time. A few days later, I looked in my junk email for some reason, and there were three emails from men oh. who had seen me, oh. but had not talked to me, Yeah, who wanted to get to know me better. Well, I'm a very picky person. So you have to know that one of the most important things to me is the ability to use language and read and write. I'm sorry. That's but picky? If, it is picky. <laughs> yes. I would say no, that's not picky. Well, all. unfortunately, after all the online dating I've yeah. done, this is a, it's a real turnoff for me. If, yeah. if you can't spell or, you know, the endless, hey, babe, you look really nice, like to get to know you, you know, those kinds of messages do absolutely nothing for me. Uh-huh. And I don't care if you look like, you know, Clark Gable. And my husband was a writer. So I was very, very spoiled. Yeah. So two of the emails were the generic, oh, you looked really nice. I, I really wish I'd had a chance to talk to you. They were kind of basic. And then Joe's was just beautifully written. Let me just read it. Okay. Okay, so Patricia, I saw you briefly in the main room at the beginning of the virtual speed dating session. You looked like an interesting person. And if you are amenable, I would like to exchange emails and communicate. Please permit me to offer you some icebreaker information and quotations about me. I'm a recently retired federal government official, now a creative artist. I'm a military academy graduate former officer, but still and always a gentleman. I'm a family man, spiritual, incurably romantic, with a great sense of humor, combination of New York sarcasm and dry British wit. I love music, cooking, cinema, dirty dancing, and of course, writing. I am equal parts sensual, serious, and silly with a foundation of honesty, reliability, and loyalty. I am a Manchester United fan, 
you were a Manchester United fan, but you did not know that Patricia is from England. No idea. He gave me a little bit of information about himself, um, some of which made me go, hmm, not so sure I like that. And I just wrote back and I said, yeah, no, you sound really nice, but you're a little old for me. And you've got, you know, all these grandchildren (laughs) and you're retired and wait a minute, did he, did he attach a picture with it? No, I didn't okay. know okay. what he looked like at all. Okay. I didn't even respond to the other two. So, yeah. you know, he at least got an email back from me. Yeah. And he wrote back the loveliest email again, which was, I quite understand. And, you know, I appreciate and acknowledge your wants and your concerns. He quoted something from Shakespeare. I forget what it was, but I remember going, he's got some culture, has our Joe. Signing off for the evening, but hope to see a reply from you in the morning. Well, off to sleep, perchance to dream of a reply from a queen. So I added the second part to it. And of course, the bard added the first part. And then he sent me a picture. And it was the most god-awful picture. Think of Einstein on a bad hair day. That's the kind of (laughs) selfie that that I took. You know, my hair wasn't done and everything. So I said, you know, let's go for stark, raw realism. I'm always a big believer in that if you don't like me at my worst, then how can you deserve me at my best? Oh. Or at least give me a chance. So, oh. But I reciprocate that by if I'm not willing to love and appreciate you at your worst, then I don't deserve you at your best either. So, True. So. But purposely sending a bad picture. Yes. You know, it's if you can't get past the superficial... You know, you want here's where Shakespeare comes in because one of my favorite uh, Shakespeare plays was Taming of the Shrew. And when Petruchio says, It's to me you're married, not my clothes, not how I look, it's kind of like what's inside of me. So I wrote back to him and I said something I don't remember, but it was something like, No, well, you know, again, thank you very much. But he says, I'm sorry, but I do thank you for your kind notes and for reaching out. We're all looking for different things. I wish you joy and happiness. Oh, and so, but you didn't just say, oh, F you, or oh, well. No, no, I did not. And anyway, I wrote back to her within an hour. Good morning, and thank you for the candid message. I may be a traditionalist, but I have always maintained a futuristic attitude in order to be my own version of Dorian Gray. Forever young, but without the satanic baggage. And again, that was another literary twitch, because my husband, my late husband's cousin starred in the 1940s movie, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Wait a minute, and he didn't know this. He did not know this. And we do FaceTime. He looks nothing like his bloody pictures. Oh. Can you imagine if you had just written it off? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm guessing I did that many times when I was doing online dating. You know, you'd look at these pictures of these men, you know, looking in the bathroom mirror or holding a fish or whatever, and you go, <laughs> nope. How long was it before you then decided, let's meet in person? There was a protest on June 5th. And I said to him, I'm going to this protest. And he said, well, can I come? No. Well, I don't see any reason why not. It's outdoors. and Yeah. But then they canceled it because of rain. Um. So now we, we'd already made these all these plans. And, and his daughter had actually said, well, can I come too? The march goes away, but we've all got these plans to get together on June 5th. So we met on June 5th. Outside or? No. At this point, 
we had known each other for, for what, two months? And neither of us had got sick. And as far as, we, and we were both being careful. We basically went, okay, as somebody who's seriously looking for a partner to grow old with, yeah. we had to decide. So far, there were no deal breakers. So we decided we were going to do this. So instead of going on the march, they were going to come to my house for dinner. Yeah. And... And the daughter showed up before he did, which was hysterical. <laughs> so I met his daughter before I met him. Okay. So were you physical yes. with each other? Yes. I knew he was going to stay the night and we were going to have sex. So. Okay. So you talked about COVID. Did you talk about sexually transmitted infections? Yes, we've both okay. been tested. Okay. Yes. I passed out. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. I had... I, I, maybe I was a little nervous, had a little too much to drink and... And then I woke up and my head's in her lap and she's combing, putting her fingers through my hair saying, it's okay, you're Aww. home now. This was before you went to bed? Yes, okay. before the sex. Were you nervous about it? I mean... Well, we put a lot of the conditions up front, which is why honesty and disclosure are just critical. Maybe one of the good things that came out of this COVID is it forced people to communicate a lot more before you got to the, the other aspects of it. I was terrified <laughs> because I knew that if I was moving forward with this, my whole life was going to change oh. again. And I know that getting involved with this man would mean that something was going to change. change. Because there's no such thing as a perfect person, as, especially at this age. If he's good in bed, and he was, there are no deal breakers. I first spoke with Joe and Patricia a few months ago, and guess what? They're still going strong. In fact, they're engaged. They have some logistical and family issues to deal with before walking down the aisle, but they're confident that the two months they spent getting to know each other before even meeting in person helped lay the foundation for a strong future. Okay, how about Joe sending that bad picture? And I have to say, I've seen Joe, and I've seen that picture, and wow. I definitely would have passed on Joe based on that picture. It's the kind of picture that when you come across it on a dating site, you take a screenshot and send it to your sisters and say, see, this is why I'm still single. Look at what there is to choose from. Sorry, Joe. Patricia's dream aside, all kudos to her for getting beyond Joe's picture, for taking the time to get deeper. I'm going to remember this in my own search for true love. I hope you do too. Dating While Gray is produced in partnership with North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. You can support this show with a donation or by becoming a member at wunc.org slash give. My thanks to producer Kamaya Truitt and editor Charlie Shelton Ormond. Our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt. And Lindsay Foster Thomas is WUNC's director of content. There's much more about the show and every episode we've ever done at datingwhilegray.com. I'm Laura Stasi. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
guidebook, guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.